Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 64, recorded on Thursday, 11th of August 2011. The Tyranny of Distance. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. This week in Lotus is proud to be sponsored by Sonos. Sonos allows you to stream all the music on Earth wirelessly in any room. With a big sound from the latest Play 3 player in a compact size and at a price you've never seen before, just $299 per unit. Control it wirelessly with your Android or iOS device. Get free two-day shipping with a special promo code available only from This Week in Lotus. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash Sonos for more information. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. We're back for episode 64. My name's Stuart McIntyre and I'm joined by my co-host Darren Duke. Hello Darren. Hello Stuart. I managed to remember to say my name at the beginning of the episode. That's a first. And you got it right. <laughs> I pronounced the surname right. Yay. <laughs> so how's your week been, Dan? I am fantastic. This is the first time in my life that the British government cannot actually blame me for starting a riot. <laughs> you around for the other ones. I, I was around for the other ones. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with you. It's been a bit of a crazy week in London. Very surreal. Um, in a lot of cases, it's it's kind of bizarre. You know, it took talk about them being anti-political riots and you know anti-commercialism and so on, and then you see the videos of just kids stealing Armani suits and you know Sony stereos and things. And you think it's it's uh, it's very strange. I don't think anybody can pin any one reason why they're happening, but it's it's been a strange week to be in London for sure. People like to destroy crap. It's as simple as that. The Vikings did it, the Vandals did it, the Romans did it, and now the teenagers are doing it. Ah, uh, the youth of today. Always just just to hit him with a truncheon, that worked with me. <laughs> That's a story for another day at Kimono's, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Darren. And we're joined by the man in the yellow suit. I think you heard him laugh a little bit earlier on. It's Matt Newman. Hi there, Matt. G'day, guys. How are you doing? We're good. We're good. Thank you for joining us. We had two friends of yours on last week. I don't know if you've listened yet, but two, two ladies claiming they're a friend of Matt Newman as, as one of their, their criteria for being on the call. I cannot believe that I am now apparently a Lotus qualification. So all I can say about that is amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as fear, (laughs) surprise, ruthless efficiency, and almost fanatical devotion to Piccioni and nice yellow uniforms. (laughs) Oh, Matt, it's great to have you back. Tell us who you work for and what you do there, mate. I work for ISW, uh, premier business partner based in, well, all over Australia, uh, Southeast Asia business partner of the year and winner of the Open Source Award at Lotusphere 2011. In case you didn't hear of it, we're the guys who produce Wildfire. And I, Wildfire, too. We'll be talking about that <laughs> later on. That's it. 
Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Matt. And, and one of your country folk, too, is with us as well on the call, Karen Hooper. Hello, Karen. Hi. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Lotus. Do you want to tell us who you work for again and, and what you do there? Okay. Um, I work for a company called Dr. Notes, and we're an IBM business partner in Australia. Um, we were last year's business partner of the year, so um, beaten by ISW this year. And, uh, yeah, so we're predominantly based in Melbourne. Steph, and what kind of work do you do there? Are you instructor, developer or admin? Um, my husband and I own the company, so um, we sort of I, I sort of do a bit, but um, I'm an a instructor. Uh, and we're the um, Victorian authorised training provider for IBM for the Lotus products. So we do training, consulting, and um, anything else that needs to happen. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us on the call. I look forward to chatting as time goes on. And lastly, we're joined by Richard Smith, who comes from a company called Basic in the UK. Richard, do you want to tell us what you do for Basic? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's it's actually really nice to be here, uh, and thanks for asking me to be here. Obviously, my first uh, first uh, trip into uh, this week in Lotus. Um, I'm the uh, technical director um, slash marketing director of Basic. Uh, so uh, I, I I have perspective as a not only just as a business owner, uh, and therefore have a business perspective on life. I'm also a, a PCLP uh, Domino Systems administrator, uh, and we uh, we basically do a, a whole variety of activities related to Lotus from system administration and infrastructure deployment through to our main line of business, which is uh, applications development and bespoke development. So we have a ready-made series of applications that can go straight off the shelf, and we do a lot of bespoke development. So in terms of that, uh, things like CSS and design UI is my current uh, uh, area of, uh, of work when, when we get, uh, come to designing products and product management. Work also known as frustration. Somewhat. Sometimes. <laughs> Excellent. Where are basic based? Uh, we're based in Nottingham in the Midlands, but uh, that ge these days geography doesn't seem to play such a, a big part as it used to in the old days. No, that's right. Uh, most people cover at least nationwide, if not further afield than that. So, brilliant. Thank you for joining us today, which is great to, to have you on the call. Excellent. Thanks. So, as usual, we've got a list of topics we're going to try and work through in the hour, so we have a portion to the podcast. We're going to kick off with a user group, um, just a, you know, another one in, in the great calendar that's come together of user groups around the world based around Lotus technology. Um, the next one really on the calendar is Oslug, and Matt and Karen are both on the organizing committee, I think, for Oslug. So, Matt, do you want to kick us off? Um, you know, why, why did you, the organizing committee, feel that Oslug was needed at this time? There's been a, a lot of stuff around IBM and Lotus in the last couple of years where there's a really bad perception in the marketplace, in this country anyway, about where the product is actually heading. And we didn't see a lot actually coming out until the Lotus Nose campaign. That may have been a little bit too late. So a group of us got together and decided to do something about it. So a good friend of mine, Barry Sanders, and I had uh, one or two quiet beverages at Lotusphere and decided that we were going to do it. So when we came back, we spoke to a few people, got a committee together, and uh, the, the underlying influence there was if we build it, they will come. So let me start off with saying I have absolute respect for anyone that would get themselves involved in, in a Lotus user group. So based on what you thought it was going to be like in whatever drunk fest at Kimonos kicked this off, 
as to where you are today, probably what two to three weeks before you go live. Is it immense amounts of work that you didn't think existed, or is it about what you would have expected? I'm going to throw that over to Karen. Karen, when I roped you in to do this, did you have any idea what you were getting yourself in for? No, none. None. <laughs> I'm shocked. I curse you daily, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, but, Matt. Look, but I love it. And what areas is, is the most work in? I mean, is it organising the venue? Is it pulling the right speakers in? Is it yeah, organising that? It's organising that. <laughs> <looking up. laughs> we have to bring him tea and coffee, and you know, it's just really sad. <sighs> yeah, that, that's, <laughs> no. that's exactly and, and, and and every five minutes he runs off to get someone to do a Tim Tam slam. <laughs> Yeah, and we've got to dry clean his yellow suit and, oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, actually, the, the, a lot of the work has been around um, sponsorships, speakers, the website. It, it's pretty much across the board, wouldn't you think, Matt? Yeah, it's uh, – we've got to say that we started off with the database – um, from Matt White and Warren Elsmore. Um, well, I mean, we, we had a look really at what they were doing at UK Lug and we thought, you know, there's a little bit of an Aussie POM thing happening here and if the POMs can do it, well, we can do it even better. Um, so that was one of, the, one of the things that motivated us. Um, what we didn't realise was literally how much work there actually is. So if we didn't have the committee, I really don't know... I know I could not possibly have done this at all by myself. And how many people are on the committee? Uh, so we've got five partners, um, we've got five customers, and the man in the yellow suit who keeps them all amused while they do the work. That's wow, quite, that's... that's quite a big committee, isn't it? I mean, that, that must take quite some organising just in terms of the calls between you. And you know, What technology are you use, using to kind of coordinate all your activities that you're putting into this? Uh, we've got got a couple of things that we've been using. So there's a couple of notes databases that are helping us to drive it all. Um, we've also got a connections community. And one of the things that's really made a big difference in the last couple of months would be a persistent Skype chat. So would, can you think of anything else with thrown in, Karen? Uh, no, I think the, the Skype chat, except when you guys are talking about footy all the time, is really good. Uh, and that's sort of kept us all connected. Because incredibly, apart from Matt, none of us have met each other. And until the committee, we didn't really know one another. We might have known of each other, but we haven't met. So at the Oslug conference will be the first time we will all meet together. Oh, seven partners enter, one partner leaves. <laughs> But that's really cool, isn't it? That just shows you exactly why this community and the technology base that we use is, is so immensely powerful. Yeah, look, that one of the things that I think has also driven this is that the group of people that we've got together within this committee, they're all passionate people. They all sincerely believe in the cause. They, they're all absolutely fanatical about putting on an exceptional conference. And I mean, the, the work, I, I cannot believe the work that Karen and and Barry especially have put into um, d 
dotting dotting the I's and crossing the T's. I mean, without those two guys, um, one of the comments we got from one of the sponsors the other day was, you know, the best sponsors manual that they had seen, including Lotusphere. And that's down to Karen and Barry doing a lot of hard work and producing some really good collateral for the conference. Wow. Sponsors manual <laughs> making me think of things I need to do for social connections now. <laughs> so, so let's look at the, at the main details then. When is the conference and where are you hosting it? It's in Sydney. Um, it, oh, excuse me, guys. <clears throat> it's in Sydney, uh, 29th and 30th of August. And we're holding it at the um, UTS, which is a university in Sydney, in their conference area. And is it two day, one day, nine yeah, days? Two days. Yeah, but it's two days, but there is a Lotus week, so um, it's following. Uh, it's followed by a boot camp by the View on X Pages. Um, so we're doing Monday and Tuesday, and then X Pages uh, with the View is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And also a Chris Miller tack on with same time on Wednesday, which has proven extremely popular as well for the admins out there. Mm. So it's it's an entire Lotus week. If if you're interested in Lotus technology, come along to Oslock for two days, get totally immersed. If you're an administrator, you hang around for an additional day and listen to Chris Miller do his magic with same time and same time admin. Or if you're a developer, head off and do the Views boot camp. And it'll be interesting to see if Chris Miller can do an entire same time boot camp with only a single slide. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing Chris, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. <laughs> Excellent. And um, in, in terms of speakers, who have you got presenting at, um, at Oslock? We have five, count them, five IBM champions presenting at our conference, which, which is a, a pretty pretty decent effort considering that there's only two in the entire region. So we've got... <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh, Paul and Chris coming, of course, and we've also got Mikkel Hostevert coming across to do some development sessions for us as well. So we've got some really big names from across the community. Ed Brill's going to do the keynote for us. Um, Paul uh, Calhoun and Russ Mayer, who are doing the X-Pages boot camp on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, are thankfully doing quite a few sessions for us. Um, Chris is obviously doing his admin magic and then um, along with the two IBM champions from Australia, so that's um, Adam and myself doing a whole heap of stuff around Connections, Notes and Domino and we have the exceptional talent that is Karen Hooper who's going to weave her Domino admin magic. That's right. And, and talk about my book. No, <laughs> no I'm not, not really. Because Karen is, of course, the author of the Notes um, 8 User Guide. It just suddenly clicked to me. That, that, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Available on Amazon. <laughs> you, you, you are just a glutton for punishment for doing things that take an awful long time and are very, very hard to do. <laughs> I know, I know. And it, it, and I did it just after I had my, my little girl, and it was like suicidal. It was quite interesting experience. <laughs> So how millions of dollars rolled in since you launched your book? I imagine all, all <laughs> authors get immensely rich from doing it. Actually, it's the distributor that gets immensely rich. But um, no, we're not. We're not. Um, I'm not on the New York bestsellers list yet. 
How's the book been received while, while we have you on here? Because it's something we, we spoke about on This Week in Lotus a year or so ago when it was released. And it's, it's really great to see this number of books come, come sort of through. I guess it's from publishing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Know, they put so many good books out recently. Yeah, they're very, very good. And um, it's done really well. It um, Actually, believe it or not, Packet are fantastic with publishing books. They're terrible with giving you updates as to how the book is doing. So I know that, um, uh, what was it, October, December last year, there was a, over 10,000 US dollars worth of books sold. So you got to go, okay, that's all right. Um, so that was, it's doing really well. We've actually split it into a, um, a, uh, three chapters of the UI and two male chapters. So it's a 9.95, um, little light version of the book. And, uh, we, I've had really, really good reviews. Um, some people have used notes for, you know, 20 years have said they love it and got heaps out of it. So it's, it's going really, really well. That's that's great news, particularly as I I can only imagine the amount of work that goes into writing something like that. So well done for that, Karen. And Matt, Matt, how's attendance looking for the event? Are there still spaces if people want to come along? Uh, Mate, we originally budgeted ourselves for 250 people. And as of this afternoon, we have less than 60 spots left at our conference. So attendance, I think, looking at the number right now, has just hit 194. Excellent. And you usually get the last minute rush as well. So you, you, yeah. we, we, we speak to all of these people that run the lugs and, and the thing they say is for the last few days is horrendous because people all sign up on the last day. Well, as the boys were saying last week um, about having fire codes and limits and all that sort of thing, we, we've got a limit and we have to stick with it. Um, besides the fact that we're running the thing for free, so it's all due to our generous sponsors that we're able to put on the event, and there are only 250 places at this event. So if you think you're going to be able to register for Oslog in the last week, I've got news for you, buddy, you won't be able to attend. Well, I have to say, if you're going to get anywhere near the sort of obviously from an from Aussie competitive, competitive spirit point of view, you're going to want to you want to make it better than the UK look, and I am look. But uh, what I would say is that the, the guys do this; it's, it's an immense job. I'm a, a major convert to the to the lug sort of format, uh, and I've only been to lugs bizarrely uh, over this last uh, this just this year, and uh, it's I would certainly worth uh, recommend anyone to get to it if they can. Look. And, and my pet peeve is, if you are registered and you can't go, let them know so they can give your spot to somebody else. Yeah, so we, we're going to start um, sending out um, updates over the next few days for the 194 people who have reg- already registered for Oslug to make sure that if you're not going to be able to attend it, if you'd be kind enough to cancel your registration so that someone else who wants to come can. And Matt, you know, um, both Darren and I met you, and Richard, I guess, met you at UK Lug this year. Um, and it, it's it's interesting when you go to these different lugs, and I've been to the Belgian one, the Netherlands one as well, and I love too. They all have their own little kind of different flavour that, that kind of comes from the you know the people that attend, the people that organise, and also just the the kind of flavour, the environment of the country where they're hosted. How, how do you think Oslug is going to differ from, say, UK Lug, depending on you know what the Australians kind of give it in terms of organisation? Uh, the, yeah, <laughs> you can't 
spite Foster's here, mate. I've told you that. <laughs> Our social evening is going to have a barbecue with snags. What are snags? It's a sausage in bread with onions and tomato sauce. Yeah, so, you know, that that's a unique Australian flavour, pardon the pun. Um, but what we really aimed to do with this conference, I mean, there, there were five of us who were actually on the committee who were at Lotosphere this year, and the aim that we brought back from Lotosphere was to bring Lotosphere to Australians. I mean, there's there's been an IBM event running down here for the last couple of years called Collective Intelligence, which, although quite good, has has been more of a marketing event with not a lot of technical content in it. So the aim really was to try and get hold of as many um, technically exceptional people who could also present, get them in one place at one time and expose Australians who don't have the opportunity to travel to the other side of the world to a little bit of Lotosphere magic. I think your technical comment is is absolutely bang on the nail. I think that's one of the fundamental differences uh, that that have recently, in certainly in the UK, the Lotosphere comes to you uh, sort of thing that IBM have put on uh, recently has been somewhat IBM slideware. The the UK lug and actually the IAM lug that I, I just got back from um, are significantly more technical now. Uh, you know, so if, if people haven't managed to make it to Lotosphere um, and they want to, and they just they don't want to sit through IBM Slideware, in my mind, if you've got one option to get to something, don't go necessarily go to a Lotosphere comes to you IBM style. Go to the lugs because those guys uh, are, are being the technical value. Those are the guys living and breathing stuff, and they don't necessarily have to follow. Certainly from Chris Miller's joke, if you go check out his opening session, you can look online. They don't necessarily have to follow the IBM prescribed met routine. They can say, this is how it is. This is the technical stuff. This is this is what we're saying because we're living and breathing this. That, that's abs- absolutely right, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get a whole heap of content together, which is technical, um, because we, we felt that there is quite a gap in in the community in Australia where there hasn't been an event like this for a very long time where even if you you may have worked with you know Lotus software for a couple of years and you know how to do your day-to-day stuff but when something comes along that is a little bit out of your reach you're not necessarily able to deal with it and it's not until you go to an event like this which can give you the technical content from the people who really know their stuff that you're going to be able to graduate from Padawan to Domino Jedi Master. Which is the topic of one of Matt's sessions. <laughs> and um, yeah, we were talking before I started recording, Matt, about your, your flight home yesterday and uh, you know, it reminds me of, of, of the number of flights you had to take just to get from one part of Australia to another. There's huge distances involved. I mean, does that present any issues of its own in terms of getting people along? It's very easy to say this is an Australian lug, but of course, you know, these people could be 3,000 miles away from uh, where it's being hosted. Do you, do you see that stopping people from attending or is that just something people get, get over? Yeah, the, the tyranny of distance is one of the things that Australians have to deal with. Um, I mean, I, I, for any of you who are in Europe, if you can imagine, you know, you're in the UK, you, 
you hear about an event that's being held next week. So you get on a plane and you fly for three hours. You're going to end up somewhere in Spain or Greece to attend a Lotus user group. And essentially, that's what happens in Australia. So if you're from Adelaide or if you're from Perth, if you're from Darwin, you're going to have to put on a three or four hour flight to get to Oslock. And that's why we wanted to hold the first one. And this is the first one. We are going to do it again um, in a more central location. So Sydney was central to the bigger cities of Brisbane and Canberra and Melbourne. So we thought, you know, let's let's test the water. Let's see if people will come. And at the moment, um, just over half of the attendees aren't from the Sydney area. So that's really good. Yeah, but that that is that is a good um, percentage of people not from a local area because that's always one of the hard things as well. It's convincing people not that they just should come, but that they will come. Yeah, absolutely, and. That, that's where social has, has been really good in this instance. I mean, um, we had a lot of help from IBM with some marketing. They sent out an invite to all of their customers a couple of weeks ago. Um, but by that stage, we already actually had 130 people attending, you know, just, just based on the social contacts that we'd had. Um, but the, again, the unfortunate thing about Australia because it is so large and because every, everyone tends to live in their own little city, which is, you know, thousands of miles from the next city, it's hard to reach out and find everyone. Um, and that's what we really wanted to do. We wanted to try and find some way where we could connect with absolutely everyone who could benefit from this conference. And aren't I getting up at some godforsaken hour of the morning to do a twill? <laughs> with you guys. Is that still on? Um, Darren, you've just announced one of the highlights of uh, Oslug that we hadn't actually put anywhere on the website. Yes, we are doing a This Week in Lotus live from Oslug. I just made the same mistake all the IBMers make when they come on this <laughs> podcast. We're announcing without checking. Disgraceful. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have a legal team down that will come out to get you quite like they do. Well, I don't know. Stuart was about to start the podcast without me today, so next week, if I'm not on, you now know why. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just in, just to add in regards to Matt with the distance and and that we, we've Matt's did a great job when he was sort of collecting the people together for the committee. Is that nearly every state apart from Northern Territory is is um, is uh, represented? Matt, would that be right? Yeah, we've got uh, – well, there are people from everywhere except for Adelaide and Darwin. Yeah. So, so yeah, so there's a, a really good um, – uh, everybody's from all the different areas. So, uh, yeah, it's really good. Brilliant. So all the places where we see in the TV where, like, Crocodile and Lee lives in the spas. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's it. They're all, they're, all, they're all too busy drinking. That's what it is. <laughs> so talking of drinking um... – I can't imagine Australians <laughs> could organise an event without having some element of social kind of interaction going on after hours. So, is there anything organised that that goes on, you know, outside the uh, the seminar rooms? Yeah, absolutely. So Monday night we're putting on a little social gathering. As I mentioned, it in, involves uh, maybe some. Amber fluid, um, definitely some snags, and to give it an Aussie flavour, hopefully the weather will be kind enough so that we can have it outside on the balcony 
Um, what we're doing. I'm sorry, Veranda. There we go. <laughs> you can tell I've spent too much time talking to these guys, right? <laughs> um, so it'll be it'll be out on the veranda. We'll be having some snags and some beer, and we'll be talking about some uh, Lotus software. Awesome. And will the yellow suit be making another outing? I dare say that it will make an appearance at some stage. <laughs> Excellent. And and for those folks that can't make the travel to Sydney that week, are you going to be streaming or recording any of the sessions that, that people can watch later? Uh, it's one of the things that we did investigate. Um, unfortunately, you know, we are putting on a free event and everything about this event is run by the sponsors. We've got some brilliant sponsors, including um, some organizations from outside Australia who are getting involved, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, we've, we've got sponsors coming from the US and from the UK and from New Zealand. So yes, there will be a New Zealand flavor, um, not just Vaughan Rivet, but, you know, um, some good old uh, New Zealand sponsors. Um, we checked out how much it was going to cost us to video some of this stuff and um, replay it live, and it was just cost pre prohibitive. We just couldn't do it. Very <clears throat> completely fair enough, and an even more incentive to get yourself to that free event and see it in person. So no worries at all on that one. And if you guys have got one wish for Oslug in terms of you know, what goes on or, or who will attend, you know, any any thoughts in terms of what you're hoping for from the event? They wish I was there. Our <laughs> best because of silence. That's not the wish. <laughs> I, I really hope to see that um, people are, are empowered, that um, we're, the, the community is renewed because um, we, we have had a lot of seminars that have been frustrating and I think this is going to be a time where everybody will get together and really not only have an absolute ball, but they'll take away so much and they'll have such a great time. And uh, I just really hope that everyone can make it. Absolutely. Um, I hope that we we get some people along to the conference who normally wouldn't attend one of these events who can take away just those one or two little gems that will make some lights go off and make their job a hell of a lot easier. And also world domination. That's it. A fanatical devotion to Picciani and nice yellow uniforms. <laughs> I wanted to put. I wanted to give everybody yellow, um, like jocks or something, in their in their backpacks to uh, all the speakers or something. Just, just for the international audience, what exactly is a yellow jock? <laughs> well, yellow is a colour, Darren. And um, <laughs> Jock is um, a men's underpants. That's what I thought it was. Okay, the <laughs> So, so if you guys know of someone who can produce that sort of apparel, what we really, really wanted to do was print across the back. Of course, my ass belongs to Lotus. <laughs> oh, thank you for following at Oslook. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, if you do that, we need photos, guys. We need... <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. Yeah, she might get photos you're not expecting. <laughs> well, Dan was after doing This Week in Ledger's thongs for UK lugs, so that would have been worse, I think. 
Guys, thank you so much. Oslog uh, is certainly set up to be an excellent event and look forward to hearing more about it uh, when it takes place at the end of the month. Now, Mr. Newman, you've also been in the news a little bit this week for some posts that made it onto um, Planet Lotus and other places about the kind of the future for Lotus Notes, um, you know, how will it compete with some of the other technologies out there, whether it's SharePoint or Exchange or some of the other ones, um, and also about the Lotus Nose campaign as well. So let, let's start off with the future of Lotus Notes. Um, do you want to give us a background to kind of where that blog post came from? I think it was originally from a discussion on LinkedIn, is that right? Um, yeah, it, it started with, I was reading through this LinkedIn discussion and I just couldn't believe the stuff that some of the people were coming out with. And it was actually right off the back of doing a presentation to a couple of exchange admins in the location where I'd been. And... To set the scene, we're in the data centre, we're showing these exchange admins the Domino servers that we've got set up. I'm explaining how the cluster works and one of the exchange guys asks, okay, so what special hardware have you got in here to make this all work? And I said, well, we don't need special hardware, it's Domino. And he, he just couldn't get his head around it. And so I said, look, it's easy to set up, it's seven clicks. And once you've done your seven clicks, it means you can do this. And I've reached over to the back of the server and pulled the network cable out. And his jaw dropped. So there's an exchange admin who's running, you know, latest and greatest version. He's got 59 servers for 30 people. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. And he he just couldn't comprehend how i had so much faith in a piece of technology that i would just rip the network cable out of the back of a production server to show him how reliable this stuff is so i mean is there a future for lotus software hey this stuff is 21 years old it's been around for a long time and one of my favorite phrases this stuff just works if you put it up against pound for pound, apples for apples, what the competition is trying to peddle to you, there is no comparison. It is a superior technology set. And I think all of us on this call would probably echo that. Um, there's no doubt about the, the, you know, the feature and the functions of the technology. The, the issue is in terms of how people perceive it. And I guess one of the problems, that, and again, you, you come to this in your post, is that if you're seeing it as a purely apples for apples, a male server, male client versus the opposition exchange and, and Outlook really is the only one that's out there or against web-based email, it's pretty tough to compete on that basis it's only when you open out the capabilities of the domino platform as a whole um you know applications and collaborative environment that you then get the benefits of, of domino come through i think that's fundamental i mean i mean matt's actually talked at the technology level and matt i totally and absolutely agree but a lot of this issue is nothing to do with the technology the, the technology is 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 from our point of view, most important thing. That's what makes it all work. That's the engine. That's what would get you there. But remarkably, uh, certainly in our experience, the most astonishing thing is the branding, the perception, the understanding, the mental mindset required to say, hang on a minute, this is so much more, in certain respects, than just email, or it's much more rock solid, much more bulletproof. And it's fundamental. It's, it's, it's the mindset that is, is the inhibitor to get 
this lot motoring. Uh, and, and and it's things like RBM marketing has never been the best in the world. But, it, you know, in that respect, once you get over the, the mindset of it, then people understand how they can start to exploit the technology. Stuart, as you mentioned, the connection, the collaborative, things like the same time add-ons, all these things can, can be put together. It's, it's getting people to understand what that can deliver as opposed to just, yes, it's the technology. I think a lot of the issue is is the um, the executives that come in, like they might start and they don't know how to use, or they don't they're not familiar with Lotus Notes, so they but they're familiar with Outlook, so they go right get Outlook in. And I, I've had the the benefit of training because I'm an end user trainer as well as a technical trainer, but I I trained a whole stack of Outlook users, and they adore Lotus Notes now because they got shown things that they just didn't realise. Actually, it was in Outlook, but I didn't have the heart to tell them. Um, and they became just passionate Lotus users once they'd experienced and just had a little bit of help with understanding the technology better or being able to use it better. I think that's entirely right. Sadly, for, for the Lotus Notes client side of things, because people have software pushed out from the central IT department, quite often we've been into places where where that awareness of what a client can do um, is is has not been delivered. And also the the application of, of using the power of the client to do business applications has been massively underutilized. And 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 because the power of, of Domino has become more centralized, which actually is against what Ray Ozzy originally set it up to be, which was a peer-to-peer style of, of data sharing and collaboration locally, it's become much more centralized. IT maintained too tight a grip on it so that people can't necessarily get out and use the application side of things. And that that's one of the reasons why we in particular, I mean, Karen is one of the most passionate end user people out there. And I completely agree with her that once you show people just one or two Lotus Notes features that aren't flat out, there is no equivalent in Outlook. Um, they just absolutely love the client and start getting an understanding of what it is. Um, and Stuart, you, you were at my session at Lotusphere this year. One of the things that I wanted people to take away from that was it, it's our fault as administrators and developers if users don't like the software because we're putting ridiculous restrictions on them or not enabling the you know the free plugins that are available with the product. Well, you are right. I mean, there are some strange restrictions. You see, the full text indexing issue is going to be resolved in eight five three at last, so we can put them somewhere else. You know, the stupid quotas. You see, even the IBMers are on insane quotas. Yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff is 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 just very counterintuitive to me, and I actually think that leads to a lot of the. Uh, vile that comes out of IBM itself for, for Lotus itself is that the rules that they put on their own people. Now, just to, just to, to uh, talk about, I can't say who this is going to be because I think it'll be very in trouble, but just to give you the idea of frustration, this, this is where Lotus has a frustration in a particular place that I've been to. They had a quota of about 100 megabytes on a mail file. And in order to get their daily jobs done, you've got senior managers uh, let's say, senior managers having to use Gmail to get file attachments routed between one another, which were for, which were jumping outside of the corporate governance, jumping outside the corporate messaging, outside of backup, all this sort of stuff. 
because the, the the let's say the European IT department were restricting people so much that their day to day business job, business managers generating value for the business didn't actually have the ability to have sufficient storage. But storage is ridiculously cheap. For a hundred quid, you could buy a terabyte drive. Why? Why are they so restricted? Domino can handle big files, big volumes of documents. That's what it's there to. Why restrict people to a crazy level? Don't get it. And let's not forget Deos. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and so I don't, I don't get why there was such a, a stranglehold on this. But then it forces people to cope with things in different ways. They build up a hatred of a Lotus Notes client because they think they can't have a big mail file, and then they start using Gmail to get around it. It's pointless. And then Gmail has that nice little number that just sits there and gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time you type. Saying, "Hey, now you've got forty-seven petabytes of space to put your attachments in." Well, it, it goes it goes back to, to to the question, and 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 it's always been that IBM is always the leader at some point, and then for whatever reason decides uh, we don't want to be in that. You, you know, they, they did it with the PC business, they did it with email, they did it with office suites, they did it with PCs. They did it with same time. They did it with some messaging, and now they're trying to claw that market back. And and is this whole don't just use it for email? Is this just not a smokescreen for IBM saying, you know what, we lost that battle. We're not going to fight it. We're not going to win. Outlook is sexy. Outlook is fast. Outlook is actually kind of nice. I was using it the last couple of days. Is 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 that where we are? Is it just okay? Throw our hands up. Let's fight this battle somewhere else. And my worry is this is where IBM's whole let's push connections and social is that this is the next thing they're going to be a leader in. And then when they get bored or when someone else comes out with something slightly better, if it's not built on the insane Java platforms that they insist on forcing down people's necks, that all of a sudden they're going to say, okay, let's go find something else now. Is this, this, is this not just the latest symptom of this? No, I, I disagree with you, Darren, because the analogy that I was using just now was nothing to do with IBM. That's to do with the mindset of the central administrator. And that was the methodology of how they deploy and use the technology in process. That's got nothing to do with IBM providing a rock-solid platform like Matt was talking about, like the clustering, the reliability, yanking the cable out. That's that's IBM providing a technology that's, that's misused by the local administrator. But you raise another aspect uh, of where you bring the social in, which is, a, which is a total shift. So in my mind, I'd separate those two issues between usage and the direction. Now, the world has changed significantly. We've already talked about the the the, the, um, the UK lugs, the the Oz lugs, people not meeting each other, people working and collaborating over time. Uh, things are face social. So everything these days has become a, a browser-based thin client where we're bringing data together, and that information is is more of an X pages thing. And, and how IBM have X pages and social and connections at the same time, and how they can list lot together. In the old days, version 4, Lotus Notes, there was not an HTTP server. They bring Domino, and Domino then had an HTTP server which allowed it to cope because everyone said Notes is going to be dead. In my mind, technology evolves, and, and the, the metaphors of business now require that people work and integrate with their customers and suppliers and their people, and their people distribute more, and you want to get more information brought together from multiple sources. In my mind, it's just a paradigm shift from the old days, version 4, oh, we need a web server, we'll add one. Okay, now we're into a social style of, of working together, new ways of working collaboratively. They bring in more technology. That's what XPages is there, there to do, which I do remind is fundamentally different to an administrator locking someone down so tightly. We 
advantages and misuse of the technology. So that's why I would disagree, Darren, on that basis. But but the social and the other stuff is is an evolution of requirement, I think. But we have a problem with training, which I think is where Karen can maybe give some insight. I see a lot of times where Domino servers are left to the guy who last week was sweeping the floor because they fired all the Domino administrators. I, I'm we, just being... Go on. No, I was going to say, and, and maybe you can speak to that. Yeah, well, the, uh, incredibly, I was just at a client's, um, we've just been doing an upgrade for them. They have, for since 2008, no one has touched their domino environment. And um, they, they, they don't have an administrator. They don't have anybody skilled. And they announced the one of the guys, um, who, who's a nice young kid, um, they said to me, we now have a notes administrator. And I said, who is it? And he's one of the, the like junior technical guys that is just a network person. So he's now the notes administrator. And the thing is, is that they, I, I don't understand this. So there's so many companies and the problem is, is because Domino is so stable, because it just will run regardless of how it's mistreated, they go, and I actually had the customer say to me, we know we've got problems. How long can we get away with it? And I thought, <laughs> well, I didn't know how to respond to that. How do you respond to that? And training, we have, we have, I have administrators that work because they do admin training. They never even use the admin help database. They, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I just go, you guys are crazy. It's the, and it's just that I don't understand why there is such a lack of people knowing anything. You know, it's just incredible. And in the states, it's it's further exasperate, exacerbated, not exasperated. That's what I am. Um, it's further exacerbated by, by all of this outsourcing. So all of these small organizations are outsourcing their entire IT to these four or five man shops. That all they know is the Microsoft stack, and if it's not on the Microsoft stack, they damn will shoot and will move you to the Microsoft stack in the next six weeks so they can manage it. And so it's all about cost saving. But you know, I. I, I, I just think that IBM don't want to be in this game. I used to think that too, Dan. Um, but I used to think it was because they felt they'd lost the email market and, and lost the collaboration market. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. I think it, it comes back to discussion we've had a lot over the past few months about net new. You know, it's, it's not so much that it's they've lost the market to Microsoft because I think if you look at the stats, we've still got 20, 30% or whatever. You know, the other competitors like GroupWise have gone away. It's really just a, a three-way fight between Google, Microsoft and, and Domino now. It's more about the fact the opportunity there to sell a lot more Domino and Next License just isn't there. And therefore, there's nothing for the salesman to go in and sell. And therefore, they're now looking for other places to go sell. I'm not so sure they're, they're saying they've given up the market because they're, they're losing those customers. Sure, there's customers moving away, but I think there's enough still there and enough still moving to it that actually, uh, you know, it's going to be there and, and around for years to come. Well, actually, Stuart, at a, I was just at a, a conference and um, an IBM has said to me that um, said that they're out there, it's they're not in the market anymore. They said it's a commodity. Email is a commodity. They're not interested in it. Uh, they have to maintain it because they have so many customers. Uh, but social networking is the direction that uh, it's all going, and they're not in the mail market anymore. But then why have they launched Lotus Live Notes and Lotus Live iNotes, if that's the case? If it's just a commodity and there's no money, what's the point in doing the cloud-based? They have because, to. 
Yes, and because they because the cloud technology is another growth factor. Um, at social and cloud, a big and mobile are the three sort of big growth factors. But email no longer sort of is one of those highlighted because because of Google, and they reckon that Microsoft are losing massive share as well because of Google. I think you guys are right, but the interesting thing is IBM is was people used to think IBM was a hardware company. They're not. They originally made their money many, many years ago about being a software company. And they make their money or uh, their margin, in my mind, of what I've understood is to be software and services. So if they're talking about software and services, um, yeah, you're right. Mail, email is a commodity. So they're not going to spend a large amount of money developing commodity products, but because you pay more for a cloud-based service, that's a higher margin to them, and therefore they make more money on that element, and they need to compete. Of course, the other aspect of all of this is by having a commodity mail product, this is where the domino, the Lotus Notes, and everyone talks about Lotus Notes and Exchange, but in my mind, it's an inbox. There isn't really a lot of difference. You've got a left-hand side navigation pane, you've got an inbox, you've got documents. You know, it's about what you do with the mail, and in my mind, that's why fundamentally X pages becomes more important to all of this, rather than debating which mail client am I going to look at which set of email. Because email, at the end of the day, is simply an alert, it's a medium. It's, there's, there's no business value in my mind a commodity mail processing function. It's, it's about how you can improve working together, improve your competitivity, all of this stuff, which is where, in my mind, the, there's the value. And IBM want to make money out of that market, so they see it, in my mind, as they want the social, they want the connections, they want it. all this because it's a, a margin area, it's not a commodity area, but it's where the world, I suppose, is going to. Look at how many people live on Facebook. How many people are used to Facebook? How many of the kids coming out of school these days are used to Facebook and and all that kind of stuff? I guess it's this. It's uh, I mean this. I am lugger. There was an IBM guy talking about some of that, some aspects of this. And when you then look between the lines, it's how do you get these guys to work together in a context? Well, they're used to working in a social way. At school, they're working in a social way. So maybe the technology piece is okay. Email. That's fine. That's just an alert mechanism. The value is, is how do we get people to work together more effectively? How do we provide software to do that? Well, connections is one. Domino and X pages, in my mind, Lotus Notes becomes out of the question in the context of simple email. And the value becomes the application. They're going to change the way we've had. Has anyone heard of them talking about activity streams? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is going to be everything, mail, same time chats, everything's going to be combined. So they're moving away from the inbox. That's My head's that's going to explode. You see, this is this is a thing. Come out, you've, um, uh, it's exactly like Facebook in terms of the the status updates. That, in my mind, is 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 the, the Facebook model for, for corporate. You know, you've got what's going on with people. These people are doing the following things. These business applications have the following bits of important information. You may have alerts, reminders, escalation elements. All these other business applications are in the background feeding you data according to what you need to do to do your job. And that, in my mind, is where the application is at. So when you then overlay activity streams to that, it isn't an inbox filling you with a load of spam that's just going to take you ages to process it. It's trying to move you to a situation that says, hang on, this is the important stuff you need filter out all the noise, get rid of all the other stuff. And and then when you compare that, as a, you've got to, got to kind of think, I suppose, laterally to say Facebook, it, it, you've got all these other people who are updating the status. It's the business version of that. And that's what Activity Streams, in my mind, is all about. They're bringing the collaboration and all the other sort of stuff together so that people, 
I've got that visibility and awareness um, in, in a model that people already use on a day-to-day basis from a social, social point of view, as opposed to a business social way. I think Stuart hit the nail on the head. When, when IBM see the net new revenue potential of, of, of an area or a product go below a, spe- a, a specific threshold, I think they just term it commodity and then move on. I, I think you could be right. I mean, the danger is, though, that it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which is probably a peculiar English uh, phrase. But, you know, it, it's the, if we're throwing out the male side of notes and domino because it's commodity, I don't even want to be in that space, you know, do it on Gmail, that's fine. The issue is if you also throw out the bathwater, which is the you know, tremendously rich collaborative um, application environment that Domino is. And, and Richard, you do a lot of you know, development on X pages on Domino. Isn't the danger that if we give up the commodity environment, but notes and Domino is still seen as a messaging and application environment that will also, customers will be throwing out the application environment as well, which many of us make our money from. And it could be tremendously useful for them for 10 years in the future, along with their mail. Um, yeah, that's, there's, a, there's a variety of interesting points. Uh, um, first of all, yes, we do make our, applica- we do make our uh, money as a company um, by writing applications for Domino and we do bespoke development. So there, there is an element in terms of where I, where I sit. But it also gives me a perspective to get through a lot of different customers, to see a lot of bis- different business models. And I've got a business background. I understand about entrepreneurs and managers needing to make money. Okay, so first of all, yes, I think IBM will move away from the commodity element. Now, I do stress it's commodity and Lotus Notes email. That's that's a stress. That's the commodity element in all of this. And yes, I think that IBM will not continue to evolve email because email can't really be evolved very much past where it is today. However, because of the advent of where the world is at and the way we work together, the applications, the collaboration, everything else is not only a margin area for for Lotus and IBM, it's a metaphor about how people do business, and that actually is where Domino and the application stack become fundamentally more important. Xpages, classic, it gives you a web 2.0 experience, it allows you to take those business applications and make them web-enabled, make them look great, make them able to consume data from a variety of other sources, not just a Domino application, put it together in a in a in a, in a portal-style environment, so you can log on, you can use the, the security and the, the collaborative environment to provide the data that's needed. And actually, you end up forgetting that, yeah, the mail, the Lotus Notes client. Who knows? The, the Lotus Notes client in four or five years' time down the line, if they get rid of Eclipse, it could be an HTML5-based, CSS-based uh, mail-consuming element as part of the development stack, and they keep talking about WebSphere, Domino X pages, in my mind, is the fundamental game changer. And, and that, I think, is where the value is, not just for IBM, but also for users today. This is where, fundamentally, you can say, hang on a minute, I can get return on investment from this technology stack, a Domino server, running X page applications, exposing it to customers, exposing it to suppliers, sharing data, getting people to work together in a pleasant, lovely, attractive environment. That, in my mind, is the big stuff. Mail, Mail schmail, you know. I think I think that yeah, you're right. I think that we should harp on about uh, worrying about whether Outlook is the mail client, whether it's Thunderbird or Lotus Notes email. I think email is is a is a distraction to the fundamental technology as to where the world is going. Um, sorry if that's my soapbox piece over, I guess, but it, I think that's where the value, the competitive advantage of business is, is about how you work together more effectively, not processing an inbox. So the biggest difference there 
between all of those applications that you've just mentioned and Lotus Notes, love the product, all right, is the fact that Notes is all about the apps. And if you go back through all of the people who have, you know, made the stupid decision to migrate off Lotus Notes, here they are five, six, ten years down the track and the apps that they built inside Lotus Notes are so critical to the organisation and fundamentally they work so well that they have to keep the Notes client even though they've gotten rid of the commodity side of notes, which is email. And I've got it last Monday, I hung around in where I was for a few extra days because I had to do a presentation to a customer and I did the normal presentation. Here is an application platform. It does this, 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 and this. We spent about an hour and a half going through all the stuff that we could do inside this Lotus Notes exceptional application framework. And then right at the end, I said, oh, and by the way, these links over here will give you the stuff that Outlook does, which totally devalues that client because you're showing them the huge capabilities of Lotus Notes. And by the way, I did the entire presentation offline because as usual in that environment, the internet was down. I think that's entirely right. I think that's really, really interesting. I mean, arguably, I'm, I, I love Lotus Notes as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I totally love it. I just wonder whether it's people don't necessarily realize the value of the Domino server. You mentioned earlier on about pulling the network uh, cable out of the back. I wonder whether Domino is the valued technology stack in this lot and, and whether we need to get people to understand that all of this is way past email. Don't throw the baby out of the dishwater. It's, it's, it's a Domino server. It's an application center. You know, you can take a Domino application and X page enable it and, and way quicker than a Domino application. We can beat... We can get applications out the door in days and weeks compared to months and months and years in a .NET, SQL, IIS environment. We beat people hands down. We've come in and quoted for bespoke development, and we, on one particular project, we quoted only 10% in terms of the, compared to a, a, a .NET shop. And but we people said, have to know to ask. That's where we like, try to evangelize that. Like, that's, but yeah, that's our job to do that. Yeah, Darren, and that, that is absolutely where Pete, where the whole cycle breaks down because the organisation that owns the technology isn't telling people how exceptional that technology is. No, and they'll push WebSphere and, <laughs> yeah. and all the other application platforms that they've got. And at the end of the day, the the differentiator is this beautiful, flexible, rich client, which does all this stuff, which gives me access to all the applications. And at the end of the day, it allows me to take it offline. If you have a look at what IBM did a few years ago, anyone remember Dolls? Yep. Okay. So IBM have already tried this before. We know that it works. And the only reason that it worked with dolls, which as Richard was discussing was, you know, let's take HTML5, let's take the whole CSS, you know, web browser, lovely experience. But if you want to truly take that offline, 
you use the technology that's already there inside Lotus Notes to enable that to happen. But it goes back to my point about IBM have always been the leader, but are very seldom the winner. Google now are getting a lot of press because of their offline capability in, in, in Gmail. And, and not one piece of information I have ever read does anyone say, oh, well, IBM, Lotus Domino was doing that back in ASICs. But do you know, Darren, so, do you know how many companies don't even allow their, their people to go offline with Lotus Notes? That is a valid point. And, but but they're, they're also the people crying that we need to go to Gmail because we can't get external access. It's, it's, yes. it's, the, it's the perfect quandary. It's, it's how, how do, how, it's not necessarily my job to go and tell the likes of, let's say, GE, for an example. I don't know if that's a Lotus customer. I think it's one of the Lotus Live customers. It's not my job to go and tell GE what the platform they have paid millions of dollars to do can do. It's IBM's job to do that. True. Hallelujah, brother. Um, it won't happen, but it's true. <laughs> yes, I agree. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves over time. It's it's clearly a, a really interesting inflection point with, with so many customers, unfortunately, moving away from notes for email, whether we can either swing that tide back in some small way or, or else divorce in some way, you know, the dominant application server environment from the notes email client. And, and so we can begin to see a, a differentiator there and, and maybe for IBM to even start marketing Domino for, for its strengths as well. I mean, what was it, Matt, you, you mentioned that, um, you know, people don't see the value in Domino and, and notes to some extent as well. Part of the problem, I think, is that IBM don't see the value in Domino a lot of the a lot of the time. You know, it's so many times when they build new applications, the default seems to be to build them in Java on WebSphere. You know, whenever you see uh, research projects at LotusSphere in, in the you know in the R and D room, whatever that's called in the lab, and, you know they're all they're all Java based, and and it seems to be that Domino is is never an option for building a new application inside IBM. And if 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 IBM aren't building apps on on that platform, then the problem is that you know customers won't either. So I, I think IBM needs to value it if if they expect customers to do so too. I so I, here's here's a really big question for you. I reckon I could have built connections in about a month and a half in notes by myself. I've seen it done. You know, um, many people will be aware we announced a social software product on Domino uh, a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, the partner we did that with um, has gone away, which is a shame because they did pretty much what Collections does. More limited in some areas, uh, you know, more advanced in others. But it's, it's definitely possible to do it on Domino. And, and I'd love to see a resurgence of that product and others as well. You know, things like IdeaJam show just how powerful the Domino platform is for social applications. There's nothing you can do in Java, really, that you can't do in Domino. And actually, the argument about scalability often is a I think a moot point I think you could scale a domino environment if it's well designed and well infrastructured just as well as you can do WebSphere but you as long as it's not the SSL the, the nail on the head there is that using domino server to provide the application you're not necessarily using the Lotus Notes client and perhaps the Lotus Notes client will not allow you that future artistic attractive looking whereas your X page because it's CSS driven because you've got so much heavily involved in the CSS aspect, you can customize and manipulate and brand and portalize that web application much more effectively than you would have done uh, using the Lotus Notes client, which has restrictions in it still. And the ability to plug in other data is much easier using an X page application. So don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm still way in support of Domino. I'm just saying that 
may be that those client is not necessarily just the be all and end all and it's it's not just an email debate it's a, a web application could be domino and any mail client to run the let's say scatty mail on the side and, and that's where i think yeah you're right domino is under is under seen in terms of what it can achieve with things like x pages and stuff so if that's if that's the case if that is the case if the fat client is going away, which all signs point to yes eventually, then IBM need to make it so that any email client and any calendar client can connect to a Domino server, and they need to implement a correct IMAP and a correct I, and, and, and a, and a CalDAP uh, web, web interface. Into it. it can't be that freaking hard, for God's sake. <laughs> and that's why we, we have a big university in Australia, um, Monash University, and that's one of the main reasons they lost. It was 60,000 seats. And they lost IBM. They were in, they were rolling out um, Lotus Notes, and uh, they um, they've gone now over to Google. Um, and it was because of the IMAP issues. And and yeah, we've heard from Mary Scott before about Virginia, and I know of university in the UK that are having the same issues with IMAP. So, it's and and the, and the Caldav thing, Darren is is absolutely right. You know, by um, by properly supporting some of these open standards that IBM makes a big point of, of advertising, I think they could make it much easier to make Domino more open and therefore more useful to people that want to use other clients, whether it's Outlook or whether it's you know, mailed at App on Mac or whatever it might be. Even Traveller. Traveller for an iPhone. Again, another fundamental improvement. I mean, the number of people we're seeing that want to go to an iPhone mobile client. Mobile, in many respects, is becoming, uh, and this has got nothing to do in service. I've, I've been involved in certain other communities in terms of web, web design and, and, and general life, technology life. Mobile is a significantly growing element of, of technology consumption. People have smartphones today that they didn't used to have, say, five years ago. People's requirement to have a mobile application is, is going across business to business, business to consumer, and, then, and the pervasiveness of a, of a smartphone these days means that actually things like Domino and Traveller, the faster speed it takes to deploy Traveller is astonishing to give people mobile mail in, in, in literally a couple of hours of work. They actually said that and a statistic, sorry, Matt, just a statistic, there are more people with mobile smartphones than there are with PCs at the moment. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Magnus, was it Magnus that you had on? Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, Magnus is a, is a perfect example. I, I just cannot understand why a business partner can come out with a solution that IBM can't, with their thousands of developers, build in the same time frame as us business partners are coming out with these solutions that do this, you know, act as the client for the IBM software. Jet ski in the aircraft carrier, my friend. Uh, or I was going to say oil tanker. Yeah, exactly the same thing. Darren beat me to it because we're fast, nimble, and you know what? We have ownership in our business. We're looking at what a customer really wants, whereas IBM want to come You mentioned commodity. Arguably, it's completely, there's an aspect that says they want to commoditize a complex piece of technology to get a, the, the top 3,000 companies in the world to pay a large amount of money for and generate a significant amount of revenue. They're not interested in companies of, let's say, a 1,000 users down because they don't make enough money. They want to buy the oil tanker can't size companies, they want to get all this, they want to commoditize the product and get that in. From our point of view, we as business ones have to be 
massively more responsive to customers' business needs and deliver that in a shorter time frame in order to provide that value. So perhaps that's the aspect is that we have to be more nimble and we are more nimble. And that's a great point probably to, to nip across quickly to one last uh, topic before we move on, and that's that IBM has announced um, IBM Connections native applications for Android, BlackBerry, and iOS, all now available in the app stores. You probably have seen some blog posts on Planet Lotus about those. Um, now, Matt, of course, we mentioned earlier on when, when we introduced you iWildfire, which is the ISW app free on the app store for iOS that has provided connections um, integration on the iPhone and iPod and iPad for a little while now. Do you know what the plans are for iWildfire? Do you think ISW will continue to, to develop that and, and move it forward? Uh, yes, yes, we will. Um, we've committed to developing the application. Um, Adam's fairly firm and fairly committed towards building the best of breed connections client. Um, beginning with the iOS and hopefully we can move across to other platforms um, as we've got the spare time to extend on it and build it. There's definitely some differences between um, the IBM apps and uh, iWildfire. You know, iWildfire um, connects to more than one connections environment. It doesn't require a specific version, which um, the IBM does. And, and it, it, it seems to, to cope far better with some of the sort of more advanced features in connections. So I know IBM will carry on developing their versions, but there's definitely, for me, a, a place for the two different clients. And I know Adam's looking at doing a, a pro version as well that will have more additional functionality too in the future yeah absolutely i mean we've had a look at at both of the applications and there are some things in their implementation that we've had a look at and thought hey that's really neat you know i mean things you know coming back to the millions of dollars that ibm have got to spend on user interface design for example with you know our good friends in the ux team You know, how many? How many dollars? Millions. Must be billions. <laughs> but look, you open up the iOS app, and it's got a really nice um, interface um, it, it, when you first launch it. So it's got a lovely workspace there with a few little icons, and that's nice. Um, when you open it up, the you know your latest status updates at the top. You know, that's one thing that that isn't in our application and, and, you know, maybe we can learn something from that. The other thing that's really neat in the IBM app is the ability to go through and filter your updates. So, for example, you can click on any any update, um, hit a drop down on a category and then filter it to have a look at all of the other um, posts that are coming through in that category. Um, and one, one of the thing, other things that you can do in the IBM app that you can't do in iWildfire, um, the ideation blog voting. So we haven't got voting in ours at the moment. So if that's important to you, then you need to be looking at the IBM app for the moment. Um, also is the ability to add a blog. I mean, I, I don't know how many people would actually, I mean, <laughs> there we go. Classic question of Stuart. Stuart, would you write a blog on your iPhone? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, maybe the quick, well, you know, two line there from a conference you might do, but I don't, I don't think many people write full blog posts on on their i devices right now. I can't even write a tweet on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> so, isn't that more of a status update than a blog? I would say so. 
yeah anyway so so there is the ability to write a blog um which is in the in our wildfire pro but you know it's it's something we sort of had a look at and then thought otherwise but anyway that's coming um so yeah the, the workspace launch pad from ibm that was really good um the the one thing that's a little bit different, for example, in iWildfire, I whenever you see someone's photo, you know, and then there's their name next to it, you click on the photo rather than clicking on the name, whereas in the IBM app, it's there's the photo with the name highlighted as the link next to it. So you click the name instead of clicking the photo. They both do the same thing. They take you to a profile page and then you can, you know, look up an address or send an email or make a phone call. So, so they're pretty much on par that way um slightly different layout you know we, we've chosen to go with the classic ios drill down thing you know where you go and click 50 screens to drill down to the next one and then go back 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 um whereas the ibm version you know you see a status update and then you see the half a dozen comments that are underneath it you know whereas with ours you'll see 40 or 50 comments or 40 or 50 status updates with the number of comments below it. So you click through to see what the comments are. So, I mean, there's a, there's a few things that are different. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of benefits that the IBM app has. There's a couple of benefits that um, iWildfire has as well. So, I mean, multiple accounts. So if you've got multiple accounts, then you're going to be want to be using our wildfire and again that's multiple accounts across multiple versions of connections so it if doesn't matter with ibm everybody has multiple connections accounts yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that i i didn't really get when we were playing around with this it, it's like okay at ibm i've got my developer works profile and i've got my lotus life profile and i've got my greenhouse profile and then i've got my ibm profile you know, so it, it's got to be difficult to manage, you know, if you haven't got that multiple account feature. Um, one of the things we noticed, it did actually feel a little bit slower, so I don't know what they're doing that's different to the way that we're doing it, but it it truly feels a little bit slower. Um, it doesn't, if you've got an iPad, go for iWildfire. Um, iWildfire is designed to scale and take advantage of the bigger real estate on an iPad. Um, you know, on the iPhone, the um, IBM app works pretty well. And one of the big things that, that we like about the way we've done iWildfire is the way that it handles files. So this is very, very different in the IBM version. In the IBM version, you go and click on a file and typically it'll throw you out to an external application so, you know, you've clicked on a, <laughs> I hate saying this, you click on a Word doc. So whatever app you've got on your device to look at Word documents, um, you know, then you hand do the file handling in the external app. Whereas the way that we're doing it in iWildfire, you click on a file and it actually downloads it to your iWildfire file cache. So you can then click on it later on and decide what to do with it with any of the apps that are sitting on your, your device rather than, you know, having to specifically go into your external word handling app to get to your connections file that you downloaded before. But there you go. There's a few differences. I hope I've been balanced in the way that I've said that. 
that was a very non-Fox News approach. <laughs> Excellent, thank you, Matt, and and, and I applaud um, you know third parties from developing these apps, and also IBM for developing their own. I think it's great we have the the combination of the two, and customers can make their choices as to which ones they go with, and individuals too as well. So that brings us to the end of our topics list. We're going to um, go headlong into our tips before closing the podcast. So, Darren, as usual, kick us off with your tip. And it's a shocking one. It's a Microsoft product. Are you going to try oh! Microsoft? Uh, to an an extent. So every now and again, I've got a big long list of free software and people say, is there not, is there some way to not have to pay for XYZ? You know, you get Lotus Office, uh, Open Office, Lotus Symphony, that kind of stuff. Well, a few months ago, Jake Howell had tweeted about Microsoft Security Essentials and I'd kind of blown it off. And a couple of days ago, um, someone was asking about free antivirus and they asked if the Microsoft one was very good. So I went and took a look at it and it's actually pretty nice and it's completely free. It's part of Microsoft Security Essentials and it was purchased, uh, it was an acquisition when they purchased that Czechoslovakian virus company. And my premise here is if anyone knows about stopping viruses, it's probably the Czechoslovakians because they were probably creating most of them. <laughs> Excellent. So we've got a link in the show notes to Microsoft Security Essentials, and it's a free download, I guess. Yep, and it gets updated. As, see, I, I used to like um, the other free ones, but the other free ones always try to get you buy something, but this one doesn't. Alternatively, just buy yourself a Mac. Much better idea. Matt, uh, what's your tip? Well, it's you know nothing. It's a little bit philosophical this time. Web 1.0 was I'll publish something so you can consume it. Web 2.0 is let's interact with one another. Now, I know of a product that's over 21 years old which does both. So, if your admin hasn't, oh, if your admin hasn't given you social apps in your notes and domino environment, things like forums, wiki, blogs, same time, etc., you should be demanding of them to improve your productivity and interaction with users because they are, after all, free. If you're on a collaboration license, star. Lovely. Thank you very much. And, and uh, yeah, I'm sure Darren and I would both echo that. You should dominate environments to the max of their capabilities. It's a waste if you don't. And Karen, what's your tip? Uh, my tip is if you live in Australia, go to Auslug 2011 conference in Sydney in the 29th and 30th of August. Excellent. And buy your book too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Amazon. Yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes. Make sure you put it in there. And Richard, what's your tip? I guess my, my first tip then. Um, with X pages, fundamentally, a lot of that's going to be CSS driven. So, strategically, one of the things from a development point of view, you're going to want to really know about it over this coming few months if you deploying X pages, get into CSS, know about CSS, and understand things. One of my frustrations was understanding processing orders on CSS. Uh, the trick, I guess, is to lay out your CSS in a good way so your processing order is correct and start from the ground base and, and work up. So the, the basic styles about the page, the container, and, and all your major global styles, and then and then get more granular down the line. Pain in the, uh, the let's say, proverbial is is defining too granularly up front so that when you then have an element that's inheriting style, you've then got to go all the way back up the tree. So so keep it light, breezy. Don't necessarily even just define um, the color of a font. Allow it later on. So once you define a style further on down the tree, then you can define color at a more detailed level, lower down through your CSS. But start at the top, structure it well to start with, and get into CSS and see how all that works. And make your application shine on X pages. 
Excellent tips. Thank you. And what do you use to code your CSS? Um, I use an application called TopStyle. There's no involvement. It's just one of the things I happened to come across years and years ago. They did a free version called Stop TopStyle version 2. You have to pay for it these days, but it, it works. And uh, yeah, so uh, TopStyle version 4, I think it's about $100 or whatever. It's just, it's just a tidy enough tool that does the job. Thank you for those tips, Richard. Wonderful. And um, I'm really struggling for tips these days. We've done 64 of these now. It's getting tough. But one I am um, You haven't. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Six, 62, Dan. Um, uh, one of the, um, the the apps that I'm just amazed we haven't mentioned on this week in Lotus up to now is Handbrake, which is a free app for ripping DVDs. So whilst the, you know, the... The use case for ripping DVDs is still a little bit cloudy in terms of whether it's under the DMCA or not. Um, it's certainly something most people would, would argue is fair use. Um, Handbrake is it started out as a Mac app. It's now available on Windows and Linux too. Shove your DVD into your computer, set your preferences, and, and off it goes. It's very easy, straightforward, very fast too. Um, the latest version has got a universal Apple profile, which allows you to, to write out a movie in a format that will work on your iPhone, iPod, Apple TV, iPad. Um, just a really great way of ripping those DVDs. It so, always impresses me that the people without TVs always find these applications. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're one of those people. We don't have a TV in our house. Um, and the other one is um, Plex, which is a, a media server and media viewer. It's a lovely little free app that basically um, gives you an environment to view your movies in, view your uh, TV shows as well. But they've just announced just this week a Plex iPad app that allows you to stream those movies directly from your computer to your iPad. So now with a combination of Handbrake to rip the DVDs, Plex to view them on the Mac and Plex on the iPad to view them. We can basically watch our movies wherever we are in the house. So really, really good combination. Take a look at those apps. The links are in the show notes. And they're free? And they're free. free wow. Free. Very um, cool. Actually, if you had a designer client that could run on your Mac, you would be in heaven, wouldn't you? Oh, wouldn't I just? We don't have a PC in the house. I want to keep it that way. <laughs> Right, so let's let's uh, kick off. We'll quickly go around the table. We're over time this week. Apologies for that, all you lovely loyal listeners. But we're going to quickly go around the table and ask, how do people get hold of you guys? Darren, kick us off. First things first, Stuart meant Marie Scott, not Mary Scott. Apologies, number two, Marie num- Scott. Number, number two, Tim Clark, you will be missed. Absolutely. Uh, here, here. Number three, Darren Duke, all one word on Twitter. For who am I ranting at this week? I forget. I have so many rants now. I think I'm running politicians. That's what I'm running at. I thought it was Lisa forgetting on your lawn. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And net for the blog that's gone quiet again. I need to find something to, to blog about. And Karen, how do people find you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Right, just search for Karen Hooper. Yep, Lovely. in Melbourne. And are you on Twitter as well? Yes, but not only just. I only just started using Twitter, so I, I think it's K Hooper. Lovely. I haven't even worked it all out yet. Not worked it all out. Hello. Kaz Hooper. Try that again. Kaz Hooper. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And Matt, how do people find you? Uh, you could try about.me forward slash Matt Newman with one T. And that's going to get you through to Matt Newman on LinkedIn and Matt Newman on Skype and Matt Newman on Twitter and all the other Matt Newman accounts that are floating around out there. Lovely. Thank you very much, Matt. And Richard, how do people find you? 
Uh, well, if you want to check out my Twitter feed, it's IT Rich, uh, all one word. Uh, my uh, company is Basic Business Systems, so the website is basic.co.uk. Uh, I do have a LinkedIn. Uh, you may have to just type search for Richard Smith and uh, make sure you get the word basic in there as well. So, uh, but those those three things should be uh, should be okay. Well, thank you to all of you for taking part in this week in Lotus. Really appreciate you giving up your time uh, to join us. And my name was Stuart McIntyre, or is Stuart McIntyre even? The, com- <laughs> <laughs> the, com- the company is Collaboration Matters, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre. So until next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. This week in Lotus is proud to be sponsored by Sonos. Sonos allows you to stream all the music on Earth wirelessly in any room. With a big sound from the latest Play 3 player in a compact size and at a price you've never seen before, just $299 per unit. Control it wirelessly with your Android or iOS device. Get free two-day shipping with a special promo code available only from This Week in Lotus. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash Sonos for more information. I think Stuart hit the nail on the head. As soon as there is a reduction in net new revenue, IBM term it, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I've completely gone blank. For the first time in my life, I am speechless. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, I'll start, I'll start again. You can just cut that bit out. <laughs> and Stuart, this is not to go on the bloopers. This is not a blooper conversation. We're still recording. <laughs> excellent thank you darren and matt how do people find you um i'm going to pick up on a tip from alan popsky a few weeks ago about dot me matt stop 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 you started um sounding like an alien can you just unplug your headset and plug it back in again yep sure sorry mate whoa how's that nope and karen how do people find you <laughs> it's, uh, it's all going badly wrong. <laughs> I, I think there's something wrong with Australia. And my name was Stuart McIntyre, or is Stuart McIntyre even? So, so what's your new name? Like just. <laughs> <Joseph? laughs> so we the, the technical evangelist formerly known as. <laughs> oh no. What's up? Actually, you'd look good with a really long, you know, leather sort of coat and a mullet. And yeah, I can see that. <laughs> do they know what a mullet is? Yeah, we do. <laughs> hey, you, you just have to, yeah, the technical evangelist formerly known as Stuart McIntyre. That is brilliant. No, <laughs> every, every time I think about it, it just won't steal. Okay. And that's now, my microphone. My microphone is what I'm talking about. <laughs>
I thought he was talking about something far worse. <laughs>